Hi, everybody, and welcome back. I'm really excited about this episode. I have a special treat for you today. So if you've been listening for a while, you know that every Wednesday we release a coaching episode where I coach people live on the air, and then every Saturday we release a coach's corner where I either teach something or interview someone and have them coach on a specific topic or have a conversation. And this week, I I was thinking about who I wanted to talk to, and the coaching episode was on mojo. It's all about getting your mojo on to go after your dreams. And I thought about how I get my mojo and what really gets me motivated and inspired, and a lot of it is internal, as I talked about in the coaching practice. But someone who actually gives me mojo in my life is a woman named Jill, who a lot of you have probably heard of. If you haven't heard me mention Jill on the show, she has worked with me for over six years now. She is in every aspect of the business and helps me with enrollment on retreats. She is my partner in the Secret Sauce Business Mastermind Training. She's an exceptional coach. She's a speaker as well. And Most of all, she is just one of the most uplifting, funny, heart-centered, amazing people that I know. And I'm so blessed to have her, not just in my business, but in my life. And so when thinking about Mojo, there was no better person I thought that we could talk to this week than Jill. So hi. Hi. I'm sitting here blushing and just super touched. Thank you. <laughs> and we're sitting together in my office where we work together every Tuesday and Thursday. And so Jill, one thing that I am always impressed with is your attitude. You have one of the best attitudes of anyone that I know. You always come in enthusiastic, in a good mood, optimistic. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> How do I do that? Uh, well, my first thing is that it's just it's just who I am. On on some level, I feel like I don't even have to think about it. Um, I remember if any of you are into the Enneagram, I remember getting the Enneagram results and finding out I'm a seven. And if you know anything about that, the seven tends to be the most optimistic, just always seeing the upside. And I guess for me, the how is if you do something enough, it, it just becomes a way of being. And I guess I've, I've spent a lot of time just being optimistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Enneagram, you guys, is, is basically, it's sort of like personality testing in a way, but it reveals a lot about the psychology, the, the way we respond, the way we behave, our emotions. And if you're interested, it's called The Wisdom of the Enneagram is one of the best books on that. Um, but I think it's, it's more than you were just born like this, right? You, there's definitely choices you make in your life that help you stay motivated and inspired. So what? how do you think like you respond to things differently than people that may err more on the negative side? Right. So I think, well, in my own experience, when I've witnessed people being negative or being upset, even as a young child, I would just be like, why? Why are they being that way when you can actually be different? And I would say, especially in middle school, I had a very influential teacher and she really modeled. And at the age of 13, that's kind of when I got obsessed with personal growth. It was like every chicken soup for the soul book, every, it was called teen power book, every motivational speaker. And at a young age, I picked up the belief that I get to create my attitude in every situation. So when I say it's just the way I've been for, for most of my life, it really has been my core belief of I get to choose, and I I do consciously choose when you say that, so thank you for pointing that out. Um, Now it's just an unconscious thing. 
that that I could choose the the happier way or the the better way of looking at something. And I also know that like really everyone's doing the best they can. So if someone's late for a meeting or you know they doesn't go my way, I'm I'm like okay, well they probably have a good reason versus coming up with woe is me, my life's not working now, etc. Another thing that we talked about in the episode with Melissa um, was about how like you know. Too many times we wait for something external to motivate us, to give us our mojo. Like we wait for something to happen. We wait for some result or some person or whatever um, rather than like creating it. And one thing that I've always seen you be really good at is if you want something, like if you want to feel a certain way, like you create it, you go about it. And one thing that I've I've seen that I think helps that is you're not afraid of a no. Hmm, that's true. Yeah. And maybe you can even t- talk a little bit about how, how like we even met. Because yeah. I think that was a great mojo Totally. Story. Yeah. So like many of you, I was a fan of Christine's work and a reader and at the time a reader because she had books and she had blogs and I read and consumed everything I possibly could, her books, her articles, and really loved the work. And at the time I told my friends, I said, you know, she's amazing. I started hosting book clubs and she didn't know it, but I was her mini publicist at the time. And <laughs> I said to people like, she needs me and, and I need her. Like the work she's putting in this world, we could do better together. And I just, in, in like the depth of my soul knew that, meeting her and working together, we could bring more goodness to this world. And it was just this, like this undeniable feeling. And I, I wrote her a few emails, but somehow they didn't get to her. It wasn't the right timing. And finally, I was on the phone call with one of my clients at the time, an organization I was doing specifically teen retreats. And I told my client all about Christine and I pitched a retreat idea. And at the end of the call, they said, great, why don't you and your friend do this? And I kind of laughed and I said, well, the problem is I don't really know her. I've just read a book. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm one of those, you know, get your mojo on. I don't want to say I can't find her. I don't know who she is. I said, give me a week. I'll get back to you and um, I'll get you a proposal. And the woman was like, okay, great. So I called her agent at the time as a speaking agent. I pretty much said, you know, don't give me her assistant, her publicist or whoever. Like, I need to talk to Christine and I have this proposal for her and it's a really great organization. And sure enough, she called me, I think like, I don't know, a week later or so. Mm -hmm. And I was just like super excited, like, oh my God, it's Christine Hassler. And she's like, (laughs) calm down. Where do you live? I'm like, Orange County. She's like, okay, I live in LA. Do you want to meet for coffee? And I like get off the phone. I was like, ah! And like freaking out and long and short, we met for coffee. And that was, you know, our first meeting of, of many. And many, to this day, yeah. she still does a retreat. And the rest is history. One of, one of the best phone calls I've ever gotten. Aww. Seriously. Seriously. I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am today without without Jill. And um, I think there's a couple things that that we can pull out of that story. Uh, I already talked about how you don't you don't let a no stop you. And and we talked about this a little bit in Secret Sauce, that the the what is so much more important than the how. Because I think what stops people from having mojo or having like being motivated to do something is they know a what, you know, like for you in this situation, like I want to connect with Christine. Like that was the what. You didn't know how, but you were so inspired about the what that the how reveals itself. And so often when we don't have the steps for the how, it stops us from going after the what. And, and 
So for people listening, like learn from that. Really think about you don't necessarily need to know every step of the how. You have to be clear and intentional about the what and not be afraid of getting a no. And there's so many other circumstances I can think of with you, Jill, like – the great thing about Jill, too, is she'll she'll ask anybody for anything. Again, she's not afraid of a no. And when she does get a no, I mean, she's quite charming and charismatic. So usually she gets a yes. I get no sometimes. Yeah, but you do get no. You, yeah, you do get no sometimes. Um, but you don't take it personally. You don't let it stop you. So how do you – okay, let, let's say you're really excited about something. You want something. You're, you got your mojo on. You're motivated. And you ask and you get a no. How do you process that? Yeah, I guess when I get a no, it's two things. First, when I was really young, so I grew up with a dad in sales, and he taught me at a young age. I was eight years old, and he said to me, he said, people want to help you. And he said, you know, most of the time, people don't ask for the fear of being rejected. But he said, most of the time, people want to help you, and all you have to do is ask. So again, at eight years old, I'm like, well, what about this? Can I have this toy? Can I do this? He's like, you know, you might get a no. And, And again, at a young age, I mean, I was in middle school doing cold calls to event planners asking for deals that my teacher would be like, you just got the laser like tag companies coming and doing our dance. I'm like, yeah, and I got 500 off and this and that. And I have enough momentum when I get the yeses that I know in the process when I get a no, it's more of a like, just not the right fit. Let me do 10 more calls. And in so many ways at this point, it's just a statistics game. It's like if I go pitch 10 people, I'm lucky if two say yes. If more say yes, great. But it's like I already know I'm expecting the no, so I don't take it personal. I think when people are shocked of like, they said no, or I quote unquote got rejected, it's like they're not living in reality. The the truth is if you put so much out, you're going to get some yeses and you're going to get some no's. So at this point... I just kind of plan on getting a certain percentage of no's depending on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't slow you down. It's just it's just part of the process. No, I wouldn't say it slows me down, but I do notice at times I'm like, oh, I got to do so many more pitches to get a yes, you know? Mm-hmm. So there is that part. And I know I'm more focused on the why. She talked about the what, but for me, it's also the why. So mm. it's like when I'm focused on the why, I'm willing to make 10 more calls, research for another hour, whatever it is, because the why is motivating me. Because, of course, in the moment, I'm not like, that's amazing. Eight no's, you know. So I do notice that drop in energy, but I also notice and know the way through it isn't stopping there. It's it's devoting more time. It's devoting more energy to, to eventually get the right yes. Yeah. So just taking a little tangent for a second, because this may be useful for people, because um, like I said, Jill's, Jill and I have worked together for six years, and we spent a lot of time together. And so like any relationship, we've had our ups and downs, and we've learned a lot. And the great thing is we're both willing to talk about it and, and keep our side of the street clean and do our own work through the process. And I think one of the things that has helped us so much in our relationship, other than honest communication and doing our own work is really accepting each other for who we are and supporting each other in our zone of geniuses, you know? And I think that was a big thing kind of you had to learn was in the beginning, like I would ask Jill to do things and I did not know like how much she was struggling with them. And finally, like when she came and was really honest about like, this is sucking the life out of me and I I, I, I can't do this. It's like I, we do the best we can to not have her do the things that are not in her zone of genius. So, um, and I, I think that applies for 
any relationship, work relationships, even romantic relationships, because sometimes like your partner may be expecting certain things of you that just aren't, you know, don't come easily to you. So maybe you can give some some advice on really communicating um, your needs in Mm -hmm. a relationship. Yeah. So if any of you out there are uh, familiar with the compensatory strategy, as Christine teaches, of people pleaser, uh, this, I think it resonates with everyone. But for me, I realized that my people pleaser compensatory strategy would keep me in the pattern of, I could do it, I could learn it. Again, like I- I'm good at like learning something, doing it. But when I would end up spending two hours on something and be in tears, and again, I would present something and I'd be like, look, right, I did it. And she's like, no, it's not at all what I want. And then I would be totally deflated. I'm like, and it was like the pain, looking back, the pain got me to finally speak up and, and say like, okay, here's the deal. Here's what I could do. Here's what I can't do. In order to be supported, XYZ needs to happen. And I think for me, I'm very aware of when I'm going into, am I doing this to please her or anyone or who's ever on the other side? That's a sign of I need to speak up and share what's true, even if it feels really hard or even if they get upset. And that's been a big learning for me that even in their upset, like really letting, as Christine said, that person, Christine or whoever, have their side of the street, I still need to speak what's true for me, even if it causes upset. Um, But that's been a huge learning, I think, in so many relationships, but one that I really got to learn here. And every time I do speak up, it always makes our relationship, our working relationship, what we create so much better. So in the doing of it, I've learned like it's worth a temporary upset for me, her, whoever on the other side for a long-term up-leveling. And I think this is important because people that can kind of relate to like your personality type, you know, super positive, I'll just get my mojo on. You can sometimes push yourself through situations that really aren't serving you, you know? So it's great to be motivated and it's great to have mojo and it's great to take on new things, but you also want to be aware of your own personal boundaries and not like putting on a happy face and and having a positive attitude about something that's depleting you or toxic or is unhealthy. So really having that balance is something that I think, well, in the past six years, I've seen you really integrate that and, and balance those two things really well. Yeah. Oh, you've grown so much. (laughs) Now I just tell her, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Exactly. Well, okay. We could talk for a a lot longer. We may have to head back. So anytime you guys have questions about retreats or secret sauce, Jill is a person you talk to. Or anything. Or anything, really. Yeah, just just email her. She, She loves talking about enrollment and all those kinds of things. So I wanted I wanted you to actually hear her voice and really get an inside look at a, at a big part of, of my life and also really understand that, you know, relationships and having a team, not just in your business, but in your personal life is, I think, the most important thing. You know, quality relationships, people that support you, people that have your back, people that can help you grow and grow with you and are willing to, like we talked about, grow in the relationship are, to me, the most valuable resource you can have. So thank you for being my priceless, priceless resource (laughs) and and my mojo. (laughs) Thanks. Likewise. (laughs) Uh Thanks, guys. 